Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am the voice that is your choice, C.D. Danny Mac, bringing you episode 39 of the show this week, and it was a great episode of NXT, a lot of big business to be handled in the number one contendership match between the Street Profits and the Authors of Pain. But there was a lot going on during this episode of NXT, a lot of superstars looking to break ground in their respective divisions, But I'm going to start off the show like I've been starting off the show numerous weeks. Thank you so much to all the social media support. All of my new listeners, I really thank you for hopping on board. All of my long-term listeners, thank you for sticking with me. And if you're just becoming a fan, boy, do I have some discussion for you. NXT is huge right now to kick off 2018. It just keeps growing and growing, and the road towards NXT TakeOver Philadelphia becomes even more interesting as well as chaotic. A lot of emphasis on the tag team division tonight. We had a tag team match to open the show. We had the return of TM61, a reintroduction of sorts to them, to the NXT fans, as well as other women's action and a singles match between Roderick Strong and Fabian Eichner. That really blew me away. But let's get the show started here. Once again, from Atlanta, Georgia, the Center Stage Arena, where WCW made their Saturday Night Specials famous in that very arena. So it's a nice place for NXT to have their tapings. It's an arena that meant a lot to me as a WCW fan. So it's cool to see a few weeks of NXT action emanating from here. And boy, was it some big action. Emphasis on big this week. A lot of last episode was some ominous stuff. This week, it's a lot about the big boys. And it doesn't get much bigger than heavy machinery. Stakes in weights, stakes eating, weights lifting, Otis Dozovic, the bulldozer, and Tucker Knight, the Tucker train, looking to run through whoever is on the tracks. And this week... It was the big money athletes, Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, taking on the large tandem this week. And I gotta say, of anybody who's shown a lot of improvement within their time of the NXT system, I'm starting to believe in Tino Sabatelli. He's already got a little bit of crowd control down. His in-ring ability gets better by the week. And I think Tino can be a big deal, and I think Riddick Moss is in a right place and a suitable tag team partner. But I'm a huge Heavy Machinery fan. This rivalry was brought upon by another Maserati-related controversy. Apparently, the big boys, Tucker and Dozy, were standing a little bit too close to Tino's ride, and Riddick Moss had a problem with it. That's right, everything that Tino has is apparently Riddick Moss's too. I could see that creating a little bit of tension later on in this tag team pairing, but for now they're working together, and another Maserati-motivated match. So here we go, Heavy Machinery taking on the Big Money Athletes. I mentioned Tino's improvement, Riddick Moss also becoming craftier in the ring. That's for the ending. I want to talk about the boys in Heavy Machinery. They've already had this unique offense, and now they're adding some extra factors into it. The crowd control is great. The chemistry and the likability of them is off the charts. I actually think this match that we saw on this edition of NXT had to take place amidst the course of a live circuit event, at least once or twice, because the chemistry between Dozy and Riddick Moss to start off the match, excuse me, the chemistry between Dozy and and Tino, to start off this match, was really good. I mean, the overpowering of Otis Dozovic is always entertaining, as well as that caterpillar, worm, elbow drop, that little tutelage and little tribute 
to Scotty Too Hotty. I don't know if he was under his teaching or not, but it's a damn entertaining move coming from such a big boy like Otis Dozovic. Tucker Knight with his hot tag, always impressive, but the thing that stood out to me about Tucker this evening was his resurgence of his amateur background. I learned a few things about Tucker Knight this night. Tucker was a two-time runner-up in high school, as well as an All-American. I knew he was from Arizona State, but I did not know he was an All-American athlete there. So a lot of credentials and an impressive resume coming out of Tucker Knight. Usually you expect the big boys with their size to just throw their weight and power around, but if you watch Tucker during this match, you could see his wrestling fundamentals are very, very good. Unfortunately, not all of that and the combination of those two things from Otis and Tucker could outsmart and outdirty the big money athletes. After a huge knockout by Tucker Knight onto Tino Sabatelli, a dirty pin by Riddick Moss Waiting till the referee was in position to watch Tucker's shoulders would one, two, three, top rope levitated, top rope elevated pinfall to seal this victory for Moss and Sabatelli. And I think Moss and Sabatelli continuing their win streak makes them filling a dominant heel role in NXT tag team division. We've all been skeptical about the Authors of Pain call-up for a number of months now. I know I'm not alone in this. I know I was thinking they trashed the fashion police, Breezango's office. They're going to debut on SmackDown Live. Paul Ellering has this huge master plan to debut them on the main roster very, very soon. SummerSlam came, Survivor Series came, and that just didn't piece together. Authors of Pain, still a mainstay on NXT, which I think is very good to have this dominant force leering over the tag team division, but Tino and Riddick could be top heel potential tag team if that's where this is going. Undisputed Era, yes, they hold that crown right now, they're the champs, but I wouldn't sell Moss and Sabatelli's work short here. They have been showing improvement over the past number of weeks. Heavy Machinery, I mentioned their crowd enthusiasm ability before. They draw you into the match, they entertain you, and I think they're up there with the Street Profits as far as babyface tag teams getting a reaction from the NXT universe. But just to backtrack, a big win and a dirty win for Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli due to a leverage pin over Heavy Machinery, all about breaking ground in the NXT tag team division. Definitely a focal point of this NXT episode. And the Undisputed Era, the tag team champions, all addressing each of their rivalries. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, Red Dragon, the tag team champions, saying it doesn't really matter if it's the Street Profits or if it's the Authors of Pain. This is their era and their title reign is going to continue. I love the filming style of these Undisputed Era promos, by the way, to Team NXT, because it does remind me of a throwback sort of style, the way the NWO used to deliver their backstage interviews and promos. Of course, these guys had the luxury of being in high definition and in color. But the Undisputed Era Tag Team Champions had a message, as well as Adam Cole delivering a message to his TakeOver opponent, Aleister Black. Aleister Black is going to be mangled and embarrassed if Adam Cole has anything to say about it. It's his era. He's here to take over as well. A very confident Adam Cole. And you know what? He wouldn't be Adam Cole if he didn't portray all of this confidence. 
So that really doesn't surprise me. What did kind of surprise me was the immediate response that was aired by the dark Dutch destroyer, Alistair Black. Alistair Black saying, and I quote here, I don't require extension of myself. I am a weapon. Meaning that Alistair Black is all Alistair Black needs. His combat skill, his move arsenal, that's all he relies on. He's not relying on outside help, but he will get extreme. I don't see any doubt or any lack of malice coming from Alistair Black under these extreme rules conditions, especially with what happened during that assault last week with that steel cage. I see a lot of punishment in Adam Cole's future, and I see a lot of bad blood back and forth, maybe even some physically showing blood. We might get somebody wearing the crimson mask after this one is over. Cole and Alistair Black has the potential to steal Royal Rumble weekend. That's my big takeover claim thus far, but the card is still taking shape. I know I'm all hyped on the Lars Sullivan and Killian Dane possibility, but somebody else has some unfinished business with the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan, and I'm going to get to that man right now. Roderick Strong taking on the next level, N, lowercase e, capital X, capital T, level, Fabian Eichner. You might want to have some words about the capitalization of that with my Who Got Next pals over at the other podcast. Anyway, Fabian Eichner takes on Roderick Strong in an athletic and competitive matchup. This one was back and forth and back and forth, and it really holds true that it only takes one split second for a match to finish. But let's go through a couple of the big spots here involving high-flying Fabian Eichner, as well as an arsenal of backbreakers from Roderick Strong. But it was very back and forth. It was an evenly placed matchup, but one slight mistake from Fabian Eichner, one slip would cost him against Strong. Strong locking in a lion tamer. That's right, the lion tamer made famous by Chris Jericho during his earlier years as Lionheart. I know it from the WCW cruiserweight division that I grew up watching. Roderick Strong adopting this move. I'm not going to get into any controversy about it. There's a Chris Jericho directly responded to regarding the Lion Tamer and its use by Roderick Strong. So I won't sit here and talk about it. I'll talk about the post-match words Roderick Strong had for Lars Sullivan. Lars is a destructive force and it's up to Roderick Strong to stop it. Roddy's apparently holding on to that loss from the number one contender Fatal 4-Way tournament? Yeah, let's call it a tournament. Qualifying matches, it was a bit of a tournament in its own right. So Roderick Strong, obviously with a little bit of bad blood towards Lars Sullivan, this could help Lars build towards his opponent, Killian Dane, at TakeOver, which is where my optimism goes. But it's hard to root against Roddy. It really is, especially all those who is Roderick Strong segments last year, his heart-filled losses against Bobby Roode for that NXT championship. Roderick Strong had a big 2017 in NXT. There really is no denying or looking past that. So having Roderick Strong be this filler guy for a rivalry, I know it's going to display Roderick Strong's heart and it's going to show Roddy versus the world in probably its most personified way through Lars Sullivan, But I don't like this idea that Roderick Strong is just being thrown into feeder matches. I think he should be up there. Hell, you could throw him and Johnny Gargano in a number one contendership match for that title. And that's something I know I want to see. And hopefully the rest of Team NXT 
wants to see as well. But Roderick Strong, still with a lot of bad blood towards the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. We know Lars is going to somehow respond to that. Not looking past Killian Dane, but maybe a warm-up match of sorts as far as Lars is concerned. I want to see that match. I thought it was a very good qualifying match. That real David and Goliath story, chopping down the tree, taking down the larger opponent. I think Roderick Strong is very good at telling that story. So, him versus Lars is a match I want to see. I just can already tell the result. And that's the part that kind of disappoints me. I don't see Lars losing this close to TakeOver in singles competition. I see him losing at a TakeOver event for his first singles loss on NXT television. But I've been wrong before. I don't want to sell Roderick Strong short, especially considering what a big fan of his I am. I got a picture of the guy up on the Instagram. It's a little bit blurry because my elbow was nudged in the process of the selfie. But I'm going to digress from that and focus back onto tag team division action because we have a returning TM61 Shane Thorne, Nick Miller from Australia coming back to NXT television in a very Roderick Strong-esque video segment. Now, who is Roderick Strong really made me invest even more heart and even more fandom into Roderick Strong, and I'm hoping this has the same effect on other members of the NXT universe when it comes to TM61. The mighty don't kneel is their catchphrase, two very charismatic Aussies, a lot of, uh, A lot of hostility in the beginning of their careers between the two that I learned from this segment. What I know of TM61 is their success in NXT, and when they first got signed to NXT, I did go back and watch some indie footage of them as tag team, but I had no idea that they started off their career as opponents. I know them as the successful tandem to really take it to the Authors of Pain in that shark cage match in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. That was a really entertaining match. Shane Thorne even jumping off the top of top of the display. Really, really good match. Uh, it's just a shame that Shane Thorne was injured for so long because I really feel this rebuilding process in the NXT tag team division could have used TM61 this entire time. But they're coming back nonetheless. They get video segments to reintroduce themselves to the NXT audience, and that's very, very important especially considering they want to build a top babyface tag team for whenever the next round of call-ups tends to happen. Who knows what's happening with Sanity? Authors of Pain seem to be on their last legs in the NXT standpoint. But TM61 has a long stay and a very good appeal about them. They're charismatic, like I mentioned before. The mighty don't kneel. That's a really cool catchphrase. Just really fun guys. If you look at the video segment, you start you see how it opens. They want to get all stereotypical Australian and they want to cuss and they want to use a whole bunch of foul language that maybe the American audience in my case or maybe somewhere else. I mean, I know that the UK can barely understand the Australians and we're kind of on that same level. From my understanding, again, I say this as a guy from New York, but TM61, Mighty Don't Kneel, PC Grown, Trained by Harley Race, really impressive resume for these guys as a tag team. They're all about delivering the message of if you start from the bottom and work your way through, good things are going to happen and the hard work is going to pay off. You're never going to fall down to your knees. You just got to get up, dust yourself off, and jump right back in there. And that's what this knee injury seems to have done for Shane Thorne. 
this resurgence of TM61 is very important for the NXT tag team division, and these video segments are very important to reintroduce them to a NXT audience that may just be getting into the programming. I know I had a lot of new fans. Who knows what the NXT on USA special did for subscriptions to the network, or maybe not even just subscriptions to the network. Maybe people who have the network and want to start paying more attention to NXT television. So that's very important. TM61 getting reintroduced. Who is TM61 part two next week? And I'm hoping in two weeks, their in-ring debut, well, their in-ring re-debut happening. I got my fingers crossed on that one, guys. I want to see TM61 build their way back to the NXT tag team titles. I really enjoyed the amount of tag team division focus this evening. Heavy Machinery, Big Money Athletes, Moss and Sabatelli, TM61 getting their chance to break ground and really get in contact with the NXT audience once again. Moss and Sabatelli putting together a big win and Heavy Machinery, I feel like they're just going to stay over and... They deserve to, quite frankly. I'm uh, I'm very impressed with Heavy Machinery. All three of those tag teams really proving themselves in the television time they are granted. But shifting gears back to NXT women's action, we saw Aaliyah take on Lacey Evans. Breaking ground, speaking of breaking ground, Aaliyah Noof, one of the most... One of the most heartfelt stories on the WWE Breaking Ground special on the network, featuring guys like Baron Corbin and Mojo Rowley, which if you're not just if you're just not fans of them because of their television work, go ahead and watch those specials. It kind of gives you an inside look at their personalities and their backstage work as well. But Aliyah's story has got to stick out to me the most. The girl has tried a lot of different gimmicks so far. She's piecing everything together match by match, and segment by segment, and the Cat's Meow nickname, I see a Natalia tag team somewhere in the future, or maybe even just like a mentor role, I feel like there's there's room for her to do something like that, and Natty is one of the best in the ring, it probably wouldn't hurt her to learn under Natalia's tutelage, so that's one idea I have for Aaliyah, but Lacey Evans has a very unique look, the former Marine cop, She's a very impressive athlete. She's got legs for days. She's got a very confidence about her. It's very appealing. And no shortage of confidence than in this match with Aaliyah. Aaliyah's still piecing it all together like I mentioned it before. She's getting better and improving. That's what the NXT system is all about. But Lacey Evans coming across as more of a natural athlete. Way more impressive, like I mentioned, she was a former Marine, so combat should not be a surprise to her. Finishing this match with a straight right hand. You don't see these often strong, striking finishers in female matches, but that right hand delivered by Lacey Evans should be a standing finisher for her. Right hand reminded me of Nikki Bella's very stiff forearm that she used to end matches with. So that was the strike that I last remember ending a match, but Lacey Evans' straight right hand on Aaliyah's poor jaw was no joke. And Lacey Evans also getting a chance to speak to the NXT audience in Georgia this evening, saying that a classy, sophisticated lady needs to run the NXT women's division, not the lowest societal trash that happens to be around NXT right now. She needs a proper woman to take control. And great. I thought that was an awesome segment. 
wow, we don't get to see any character development lately for Lacey Evans. The last we saw from her was a Mae Young Classic competitor. Great. She got a big win. She gets some mic time. Excellent. Very important for the development of the women's division. But I felt this segment got a little bit too crowded just shortly after. Shayna Baszler, Queen of Spades, and Mae Young Classic finalist would strike again against poor Aaliyah. Aaliyah took a beating tonight. A rear naked choke locked in very familiar territory when you're dealing with Shayna Baszler. And Aaliyah's face was turning nothing short of purple based on my television because the girl was legitimately, she looked knocked out. It was either a really good sell and she's able to just turn her skin a different color or there was really some cutting off of the passageways in her throat there because Aaliyah looked really banged up. Up until women's champion Ember Moon able to chase away Shayna Baszler, she dares her to try that on the champion. Think you could bully your way to the top? That's not going to happen as long as Ember Moon is in control. Ember Moon wants Shayna Baszler, and Shayna Baszler wants a chance at the NXT Women's Championship, which we found out will happen in Philadelphia. According to William Regal, against his better judgment, he will concede to what the champion asks. A NXT Women's Championship match, her second defense, her first at a takeover, will happen against the Queen of Spades in what I expect to be a hard-hitting match. I thought this segment in particular was a little bit too crowded. I thought the character development with Lacey Evans could have stayed, and then maybe you pushed this off at a different point. I don't know. I think it could have been done. Maybe give Lacey Evans an interview if that's what you were going to do to build Shayna Baszler's match. But you got to get her used to talking in front of a live audience. It's a very gray area. Give me your thoughts on this. I personally thought there was a lot going on in this segment. Almost a little bit too much. But I am happy with the end result. Shayna Baszler striking and Ember Moon proving that she is a defending champion and just wants to step into the ring to teach Shayna a lesson disregarding whether the title is on the line or not. She will fight as a champion and put that title on the line just to teach Shayna a lesson, and I admire that in the Mythic Warrior, and I cannot wait for this NXT Women's Championship clash in Philadelphia. I really thought Kyrie would get a chance to get her hands on the Queen of Spades as well in this NXT Women's Championship picture, but we're still a couple weeks away from TakeOver Let's move on, though, to Selena Vega, the advocate for the NXT World Champion Andrade Cien Almas. Pretty much reiterating her same thoughts to William Regal, Johnny Gargano has zero chance, it was a fluke, and Velveteen Dream made some excellent points last week, and if Johnny Gargano is really serious about his NXT championship opportunity and proving his worth, he should put that title opportunity on the line against Velveteen Dream. And later, we would find out that Gargano speaks on that very matter, saying to Zelina Vega, he is tired of being doubted around here. And Johnny Gargano, with the most impassionate babyface promo, it hyped me up so much, that's what really drove me to hopping behind the mic right now. So, Johnny Gargano just delivering some absolutely heart-spoken words. The rebel heart of Johnny Gargano keeps on beating into this NXT Championship match. He will beat... Andrade Cien Almas. Do not doubt Johnny Gargano's ability to do so. And you know what? Johnny said, it's all up for grabs now. 
Johnny Gargano is putting his title opportunity on the line against Velveteen Dream in what I'm sure and absolutely 100% positive will be an NXT television main event worth watching, like all of 2017's were, I feel, already 2018 delivering some hard-hitting and high-profile matches. Gargano, tired of being doubted, puts his number one contendership on the line against Velveteen Dream next week. I I really can't believe I'm getting a chance to see Johnny Gargano compete for the NXT Championship live and in person, and I'm going to be honest with you, Team NXT, I got some pretty good seats for that event as well. Not as good as my TakeOver Brooklyn seats, but definitely worth taking the trip from Staten Island down to Philadelphia for. But anyway, speaking of TM61's return earlier, we have another return happening soon in the world of NXT. No way. Jose returns to television next week. 2017 was like a roller coaster, and like all of the things Jose does in his life, it was fun with the ups and downs, but 2018, the conga line is going straight to the top. No Way Jose re-debuts next week. I really, I didn't get much information on what his injury was. Uh, last I saw or remember seeing was him against Killian Dane, him against Lars Sullivan after TakeOver Brooklyn 3. That's the last appearance I believe I saw from No Way Jose, possibly injured on the NXT live circuit or just needing a break and a little bit of wear and tear on his body. I know Jose is one of the most popular acts in the NXT live circuit, so anything could have happened, but I'm very excited to see No Way Jose. I can see his acts working successfully on the main roster. Then again, I did say the same thing about Adam Rose, so I mentioned before. I've been wrong before, but I really hope I'm not wrong about No Way Jose. His direct crowd interaction, as opposed to the Rosebuds thing, I think is the defining difference in those two gimmicks and what is going to get one over and what is going to hold true on the main roster as far as crowd popularity and support. No Way Jose, Conga Line to the Top starts next week. And Big Business is hoping to pick up for the Street Profits as they compete for the number one contendership to the NXT Tag Team Championships against Akum and Rezar, Paul Ellering's weapons, the authors of Pain. And I really feel like the Street Profits had a real chance in this one. They came out with the Seth Rollins 2015 SummerSlam white and gold White Ranger swag on. I was like, these guys look like champions already because that's the day Seth won the WWE World title and US title with that color scheme as well as the New Day also won at that event the Tag Team Championships with that color scheme. So just a little bit of WWE trivia for you. So I felt good about the Street Profits going into this one and I thought there was no way they don't absolutely we take it to the Authors of Pain. And I'm wrong on this one for sure. Street Profits, Montez Ford specifically, absolutely dominated. The advantages of these two teams were clearly on the front. I would have loved to see Montez Ford able to pick up the speed and pick up the pace of this match, but Akam and Rezar never gave him the chance to. Absolutely running through Montez Ford, and Angelo Dawkins did get his hot tag. He got his moment in the sun, and just when you thought a dual spine buster type finishing maneuver accompanied by a drop kick, it was a very impressive finisher by the Street Profits, but broken up by AOP. 
just to initiate a super collider and the last chapter to the already viciously wounded Montez Ford for the three count. I did expect bigger things for the Street Profits in this one. My boys have been handed zero L's NXT television in 2017 and they called out the tag team champions and I thought that was their ticket to the top. But trying to get through AOP is no easy feat for any NXT tag team competitor. They're two of the most dominant men in the tag team division, probably since the Ascension, and I'm really hoping there's no Ascension parallel for them once they get to the main roster. So the Authors of Pain earning one more shot at the NXT Tag Team Championships, as Paul Ellering puts it, their championships and their titles I'm still waiting to see where Sanity plays into all this because I don't see Undisputed Era going 2v2 with the Authors of Pain without any outside teams. I thought Sanity would cause chaos in this match, to be honest, and force William Regal's hand for a fatal four-way type situation for the tag team titles. That's honestly where I thought this story was going, but AOP just running through the Street Profits. And I'm still waiting to see where Sanity fits into the mold. They haven't gotten their proper rematch we saw last week with the vicious mugging at the hands of Undisputed Era, not just on Sanity, but by Adam Cole to Aleister Black as well. So we can't see what's in for the NXT Tag Team Champions. We know the Authors of Pain are guaranteed number one contenders. I just wish there was more men and more specifically more chaos to follow. Just a couple more final thoughts concerning NXT alumni. Big shout out to the glorious one, Bobby Roode, on securing his first main roster championship. He managed to win the United States Championship Tournament this past week on SmackDown Live. So big ups to the glorious one. I'm glad to see that he's being properly utilized and getting his chance at a championship reign. I'm still uncertain about a babyface Bobby Roode, but it's over with the crowd and the entrance is a work of art, so keep on keeping on. I'm only looking at the positives of Bobby Roode's SmackDown Live run thus far. So the former NXT champion finally gets some SmackDown Live gold around his waist. Congratulations to Bobby Roode. On the NXT front, all is looking good. Heading towards NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, the card is shaping up nicely, and it's going to be a lot of fun and anticipation time for me as well. And I'm getting my first chance at an interview. I did mention this last episode, but I'm super excited. I'm going to bring it to you guys again this Saturday, January 20th at Comic Book Jones on Staten Island. Sawyer Fulton, former member of Sanity. You might remember him as the vest that was thrown away in order to make room for the Beast of Belfast. Unfortunately, injured at that time and released from WWE and the NXT system. But he's going to be local around me. And I reached out to him on Twitter. Very nice guy. He's willing to give me about 10 to 15 minutes worth of an interview after the autograph and picture signing. So that's extremely cool. Thank you, Mr. Fulton, for this opportunity. I promise to deliver my best. Really excited for that. Big weekend coming up for me. I got the 205 Live Tour in Poughkeepsie, which, give me your thoughts on it. Would you like to hear a review about the 205 Live Tour. I know it's also featuring Woken, Matt Hardy taking on Bray Wyatt. So a lot of entertainment value in this tour. I'm hoping, unfortunately, only two days, but I think this can be a long-lasting tradition, trying to build some momentum for the 205 Live 
brand, and I'll be attending, trying to recruit more members of Team NXT, as many as I can. We're all a wrestling family here. There should be plenty of love out in that crowd as well. I was in a live event at Poughkeepsie. You can check that out anywhere on the SoundCloud, Google Play. You know where to find me. And you know where to find me on social media. Let's do the social media wrap-up once again at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. I'll be plenty active on that this weekend. Find me on Facebook at Undisputed Future Podcast. All one word is the Instagram. Going to try and post some pictures from the summer, from the events I got coming up, and especially moving towards NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. I'll be sure to upload a lot of photos from that. Please keep reaching out on the discussion Thank you so much, Team NXT, for tuning in to another week. This has been episode 39. I am CD Danny Mac. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you real soon.